fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final try What is going on, Wolfpack? This is the Wolf of Roto Street here with another episode of the Fantasy Fullback Dive where we go live for our first ever rankings rundown of 2019. We're going to cover the most important but also most volatile position, the running back position. It's obviously, if you can lock down two, three workhorses even, it sets you far above you know 80% of your league. But also, it's tough to figure out which are the ones that are going to pan out, which ones are actually going to stay healthy, a position that just can take a beating. So figuring out running backs is about as difficult as it gets. I'm here, though, to help you navigate this tricky position. And any questions you have while I'm going through it, please let me know. If you're tuning in on the podcast, this is also a broadcast live right now on Facebook. So make sure you try to catch those every Wednesday right around 6.30. We're going to do a ranking show followed by a roundtable, which won't be live, but you can hear that live in the podcast after this episode. So I'm going to go quickly through my top 20 running backs, go through the tiers and all that. If you want to see, though, my rankings, which could change between now and the time you're listening, everything's all over the place in a stock market area that is fantasy football everything's always up and down if you want to see or hear my rankings go to rotostreetjournal.com slash big board where I'm constantly updating I'm actually in the process of adding notes to every single player my top 200 I want to have a blurb on uh, so we're working on updating that now as we get some other exciting things like an app our guides and all that work through as well but if you're live Taylor I see you tuned in awesome get your questions in as I run through this now so right here at the top you'll see see is tier one and really it's kind of a big three Alvin Kamara Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley with most experts as you see right here ranking Saquon Barkley at the top you can see live where it says minus two or um, you know plus two all that ECR stands for expert consensus ranking ADP stands for average draft position so I'll kind of reference those if there's guys that are much higher on or much lower on as I go through that as you can see right at the top Alvin Kamara I'm much higher on because I have him plus to the ECR, plus to the ADP. And the reason being, out of all these running backs, I feel like there's literally no question with this guy's floor. He's been the running back three or running back four in his first two seasons in the league. He's just been flat-out dominant as a central cog to this Un- unbelievable, explosive New Orleans attack. So you got this guy that gets tons of volume in one of the league's best attacks, and then you remove Mark Ingram, who's been not a thorn in his side. They've complemented each other very well. But Alvin Kamara, when Mark Ingram was out of the lineup, was on a historic pace. I know you're tuned in right now, Taylor. You made a graphic about this. Uh, on a pace to beat any other season that's ever happened in fantasy, regardless of position. You know, 100 points better than what Mahomes did last year, for reference. Better than Marshall Fox's 1,000-yard catch 1,000 yard rushing season better than LT's 32 touchdown season this guy had an absurd pace now they did sign Latavius Murray he's probably going to play a very similar role to what Ingram did Uh, Sean Payton's already come out and said we're not going to feed this guy and make him the unquestioned workhorse 
Yet still, even if he only gets about 5 to 10% more snap share, he's right around 58% last year, just that little bit would go an enormous way. He's averaged the most fantasy points per touch of any single player uh, in 2017, a historic uh, number there, and he was the fourth most of all time last year. So historically efficient, so just a even little spike of playing time that happens with Murray coming in instead of Ingram is going to go a long way for Kamara. So to me, I just see an enormous ceiling that's been raised, a floor that's very well firmly established. Then both of those things, in my opinion, even if Saquon Barkley, if everything pans right, probably has a little more upside. Uh, I still think Alvin Kamara to me has to be at the top of the board. So clearly I'm different than the experts on that. McCaffrey, my number two though. I love everything about him. I don't see why this guy who redefined the bell cow last year, 321 touches, insane volume for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they're saying they're going to reduce his usage quite a little a bit this year. And he was on the field for, I think, 97% of snaps, an insane total, especially for a smaller back that everyone was questioning. Can this guy actually shoulder the load? Nobody shouldered a bigger snap load than Christian McCaffrey last year. Historic numbers. They're going to probably take away a little bit of those snaps, but they said they're going to take away snaps and not touches. So ultimately, I still expect right around 300 touches for this guy. The one concern I do have, especially recently, is reports coming out that they might go with a goal line back, take him out so he doesn't take that short yardage goal line wear and tear. Obviously, touchdowns are a humongous part to anyone's workload uh, and fantasy value. So ultimately, if that does happen, then that's why I don't have him above Kamara. That would be a pretty decent dent in Christian McCaffrey's ceiling uh, if he gets those touchdowns taken away. But ultimately, you look at that roster too, like which guy is going to be, is it, you know, Holyfield going to make this roster? What is it going to, who's it going to actually be? So ultimately, I'm not overly worried about McCaffrey, still clearly my number two guy. And then Barkley, who everybody has at number one for the most part, I'm a little bit nervous about the Giants. I think that offense could suck and there could be a lot of three and outs there. So even if I think he's the best number one overall talent, I think everything around him could bring his value down a little bit, which I am not a huge fan of. David Johnson comes at number four. And honestly, if I was being real nitpicky, I'd probably have tier two David Johnson in it. I think the air raid offense is going to spark this guy and light up. He's my clear-cut number four overall. Would have been Zeke Elliott at number one even above Kamara, who I just raved about. But with that holdout going on right now, you cannot risk uh, losing your first overall pick, which would have been Ezekiel Elliott. So David Johnson now slides in. It used to be a big four. Now it's kind of a big three with David Johnson as the four. Uh, I think the air raid, though, has a 1,000-yard catch Uh, 1,000-yard receiving, 1,000-yard rushing upside is very real, especially in a Cliff Kingsbury air raid attack that's going to probably pace the league in offensive uh, rate and plays. I think he's going to be the offensive centerpiece for this. There's going to be tons of screens and just getting this guy in space like Bruce Arians used to do, which is the opposite of how he was used with Mike McCoy last year, probably the worst play caller I've ever seen. Use this guy running him up the gut in like 30% of his throws. He's going to really split this guy out, use him as a pass catcher, use him on more outside zone runs. That's what Cliff Kingsbury does when he's got four wide. The defense just can't load the box like we saw with David Johnson, who still was the RB11 and RB10, depending on your format last year, in arguably the worst situation with an awful quarterback and an awful offense that scored 14 points per game. I think that could double this season with the air rating Kyler Murray, who I really believe in, which means David Johnson has all the upside in the world to lead this uh, running back position in points. At four overall, I think he's a no-brainer. After him, though, and clearly, it, it, you can see right here, I'm much higher than the experts on this guy. It's Todd Gurley. 
40 touchdowns in the last two seasons. Why is everybody so down on Todd Gurley? Obviously, I get the knee. That's a huge concern. He disappeared down the stretch. CJ Fat Anderson got more carries than him down the stretch run, but this is still Todd Gurley. Yeah, they're going to manage his reps a little bit more. They draft Daryl Henderson, but I saw a great stat from Scott Barrett that backfield averaged over 440 fantasy points last year. If you give Gurley even like 50-something percent of that, then he would have outperformed what he's getting drafted at currently. So I, I slide him in for right around 60 to 65 percent of those touches but more importantly they're not going to take him out of the goal line for a 5'8 you know 190 pound running back in Daryl Henderson so Gurley one of the best finishers in the game he's averaged by far the most uh, red zone and goal line rushing attempts these last two years in an offense that's averaged over 30 points in back-to-back years do you really think Sean McVay is going to regress no do you think you know Todd Gurley is going to lose that goal line role to a pipsqueak running back no so is this guy going to probably score 15 touchdowns yes the only concern of course is the knee if he gets hit the wrong way and then it's gone you know could lose him at any moment but that's any running back out there I'm going to bet on the number one running back the first guy to do this in 15 years go back to back years as the top scoring fantasy player I'm going to bet on Todd Gurley who did that in 14 games last year nonetheless uh, so this guy was an absolute monster wasn't under 22 fantasy points in every over that in every single game but one last year I absolutely love him come next James Conner the Steelers have had a running back six uh, or higher for six straight seasons so I mean I'm going to bet on that James Conner was RB5 last year despite missing a few games they they just feed workhorses. I know they say Jalen Samuel's standalone role, but I'm not buying it. Uh, behind him, Joe Mixon could be that sh- you know ne- next Todd Gurley style centerpiece for Zach Taylor, who's going to be putting his own kind of version of the Matt, um, the the Sean McVay offense out there. You merge the running and receiving games. Mixon's perfectly built for that. He would have been even higher. Pro- he was fifth overall on my big board only a month or two ago, but he lost Jonah Williams, the best run blocking tackle in the draft. Thought it was going to be a huge boost to him. He gets taken out. AJ Green's now dinged up and we don't know when he's going to be coming back. So you lose a little bit of value there for Joe Mixon since this offseason started, but I still think the touches are going to be there. The offense could take a nice step forward as a whole under Zach Taylor. They've been just as vanilla as can be when you had Marvin Lewis and gang there. So I really like what his upside could be. Le'Veon Bell, one of the most intriguing picks, but also risky picks here. I mean, the guy is the all-time leader in fantasy points per game. Uh, out of any position, 21.9 points per game, but he was benefiting greatly from this explosive Steelers offense, from a team that just was willing to feed him 400 touches year in and year out. Uh, I don't know if he finds that with the Jets. We've seen a lot of confusion with Adam Gase and his running backs as of late. He had a workhorse riding past. He had four straight RB1s from 2013 to 2016, uh, with Jay being the last of them. So I still don't think, he, I'm not overly worried. You don't sign Le'Veon Bell to that money, even if he said he wouldn't have done it himself. You don't sign him that money to not use him as a featured back. So 300 to 350 touches. He's not going to see the 400 that he used to see because other guys will get sprinkled in. Ty Montgomery is apparently sharing the backfield at the same time, being used on a lot of those same routes that they might use Le'Veon Bell in. So I think his usage takes a little bit of a hit. And what I really don't like is the pace that Gase has played at. He's been bottom four uh, in the last four years in pace and plays run. That hurts Le'Veon Bell, who, who barely thread off a, he fed off that Steelers attack that was all about pace and rolling, uh, just t- 
bombing teams and relentlessly attacking them. That's not what Gase's style is. So if he's going to slow this thing down, it could really hurt Le'Veon Bell. A guy that I might consider taking above him, actually, is Dalvin Cook. Huge offensive coordinator switch to Gary Kubiak. I think it's fantastic news for Dalvin Cook. Uh, this guy, Gary Kubiak, 12 of like 22 running backs have gone for over 1,400 yards in the system. Three of those guys were injuries, and that's why they didn't cross the threshold. So there's really only been like three busts in Gary Kubiak's running back career. No names like Orlandis Gary and Mike Anderson going for over 1,500 rushing yards. But then you get an actual good talent in that system. Someone like, let's say, you know, Arian Foster or even better, you know, Clinton Portis. Those guys went for 2K, 20 TD masterpieces. And Dalvin Cook's talent is much more aligned, maybe even more talented than those guys. I don't think he'll shoulder. He's not as big as an Arian Foster or Clinton Portis. Not quite as thick. But, oh, my God, the upside this guy has in Gary Kubiak's zone blocking scheme. The perfect fitting runner uh, was the fourth best on outside zone runs since entering the league in terms of yards per carry. Nobody runs more zone runs than Gary Kubiak's, who's Offenses have been top five in rush attempts pretty much every single year. He's been a coordinator. So tons of volume coming for Dalvin Cook, who also had Latavius Murray removed from the scene, who led that team in rushing touchdown, led that team in rushing attempts even last year. Part of that was Cook's injuries, I get it. But still, that's a huge removal and a huge addition in the coaching factor for Dalvin Cook. It's really only health. And if he stays healthy, I think a lot of these injuries have been, you know, obviously a torn ACL and then overcompensating for that. This is the year he's 100% healthy, ready to go, not worried about the knee in training camp. I think this guy lights it up this year. So I really love Dalvin Cook. I think he brings a ton to the table. 2K upside. Uh, I'm calling it right now. 2K to 10 to 15 touchdown upside. He might be that Christian McCaffrey style player that you get, you know, mid late round two and everyone's taking him in your top five the next year. I could totally see that. And then Nick Chubb, risen up to number 10 in my rankings. And hell, if Kareem Hunt didn't exist, he would be all the way up in, you know, probably number 5 or maybe even number 4 in these rankings, because I do think the Browns' offense is going to be as explosive as can be. You add Odell Beckham, how can you stack the box when you got Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Baker Mayfield's beautiful deep ball all around there? Uh, You can't stack the box on Nick Chubb, who was gashing defenses already last year. He led a ton of pro football focuses, yards after contact and running back grades and all that. Uh, This guy showed a ton more elusiveness than I think a lot of people gave him credit for coming out of college. I love the talent. I love the offense he's going to be in. I think he's going to be nice high usages, especially after they trade away Duke Johnson. So that early first 10 games of the year, you're looking at one of the most high volume running backs uh, in an offense that is going to be top, probably top five, if not top three in the league right there. That's a recipe for monster numbers. I wouldn't be shocked to see Nick Chubb pace the running back position in fantasy points for those first eight weeks. The problem is, and as everyone obviously knows, is Kareem Hunt's coming back those last uh, just six or so weeks, and that's right during fantasy crunch time, your fantasy playoffs, when you're going to need him the most. That's got to be a huge concern for owners. Uh, you don't know how that's going to shake up. And granted, you know, is Kareem Hunt going to stay clean this entire season? Is he going to actually work in and be a monster role when he comes back? All the reports are the team loves him and love what he's doing. Peter King said that earlier. So I am nervous that right when you're used to getting you know 25 points a week from Chubb in your first place, suddenly you lose that point source and it becomes more of a 12, 15 point guy and your team makeup takes a decent hit. So that's why he's down at 10 and not top five, top three even, what he could be if he was the true lone feature back. Matt Milliken, good to see you. I love Dalvin Cook too. Huge fan. Uh, I'm glad you, you know, I know you're a fantasy wolf yourself. So I appreciate that. So now we get into tier three. So we kind of covered again that big four locks for the top four spots. Then tier two are those like 
fringe first or second round guys. I'd usually probably go the target hog receivers over most of these guys. We're talking, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Devonta Adams, maybe even Odell Beckham. But then these guys kind of round out your first round, early second picks. And then tier three is like the late second, early to mid third round guys. Um, we get here, and that's where I have Zeke Elliott slotted in. One of the biggest risk-reward gambles you could take if you're drafting this weekend is Ezekiel Elliott. What do you do there? Is he going to hold out? Do you believe him? Are they going to pay him? Are they going to get him in? What's going to happen there? In all honesty, I probably, my gut tells me he's going to show up. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if it's you know week six or wherever it has to be to him accrue that year towards free agency. I could see it totally being something of that nature where you miss your, your top running back for the first six or so weeks. Uh, maybe he does report. Maybe this is all moot. And if he does, it's the number one overall player on my big board. I love Zeke Elliott's 77 receptions last year. I love the 16 touchdowns he had as a rookie. I could see a situation where both those things marry. And he just has a monster season. But in his absence, Tony Pollard's looked really good. They're saying that he could end up working into a receiving role right now. So Zeke Elliott, definitely a bit riskier with that holdout going on. You have to question that. I do love right below him, Aaron Jones. That's the first guy in that kind of tier three, that round two, three turn that I would lean to. He's unbelievable. He led the league in outside zone uh, yards per carry last year. And then Matt LaFleur comes in, a, a disciple of the Shanahan scheme, which all of you should know by now if you watch me. Shanahan's zone blocking scheme is gorgeous for any running back. He fits that scheme to perfection. Great acceleration. Great, you know, stick your foot in the ground and get up in a hurry. Has good vision to see the holes develop. I love Aaron Jones' fit, especially as a receiver, too. Apparently, he's been peppering the jug machine, just taking practice after practice, catching balls every single day. Uh, this is a very screen-heavy game that you know puts in some intricate routes for its running backs. I can see Aaron Jones thriving in that, this offense, getting him into space, using him in screens. He's such a dangerous all-time over the last two years, leads the league in yards per carry, leads pro football focuses grades. Just every metric, this guy has been dominant. He just hasn't been getting the usage. Jamal Williams lugging him down, you know, always trapped in his committees, but Jamal Williams has a hamstring injury throughout camp. He's been dinged up, uh, giving Aaron Jones a chance to really separate himself, and apparently he has. Uh, Matt LaFleur's lead back has averaged 18 or more touches in 80% of the game. So if Aaron Jones is that guy, and it seems like he clearly is, that's humongous because when he gets 18 or more touches, he was on pace for running back five stats of last year uh, when he got those types of touches. So really the volume has been the only question with him. And even if LaFleur is hinted at a committee or blah, 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 this ground game is going to be a lot more. Uh, the ground pie is going to be bigger here this year under Matt LaFleur. And I think all of that pie really fits what Aaron Jones does well. So I'm a huge fan of him. Derek Henry, you guys know the deal with this guy. Guy. Obviously, hasn't been reliable in his early career, but you've seen those flashes when he gets the volume. He's just been a steamroller. This is a guy that's a better with a lather. You need to give this guy carries, and they're finally promising. You know, Mike Vrabel to Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator. They're saying we're going to feed this guy right from the start. So when that's the case, you got to love what Derrick Henry can bring to the table. He was the number one running back in fantasy over those last four to five weeks, averaging over 160 rush yards, a touchdown a game. He any format. You know, I know he's not. A PPR monster because he doesn't catch a ton of balls, but the rushing totals were so dominant. You had a good defense over there too, so games should stay close enough for the most part. There is that risk of game flow, right? If they go down, you know, 14, 21, nothing to the the Colts early, you're not going to see a whole lot of Derrick Henry. So that's the risk with this guy. But you got to imagine this team is in more games than they're out of games because of their defense being so strong. Don't love Mariota, but I think he's the engine of this offense, and I really love him. And right below him, I think my my bet for the most under 
undervalued player in fantasy right now. That's Chris Carson of the Seahawks. 33 rush attempts per game this ground pie offered up. So humongous volume. You remove Mike Davis, who had over 170 touches last year. But the biggest number there with Mike Davis' removal is his team high 42 targets. He was kind of that clear-cut go-to third down back. They're saying Chris Carson is going to shoulder most of that receiving work. They're saying at least 50 targets for this guy this year. He has the best hands on the team that they're splitting him out wide. This is a guy, again, the run-heaviest offense, the, the largest slice of that ground pie, now getting some air, air yardage added to that. I don't see what everyone doesn't see in this guy. The offense is obviously going to be pretty efficient when you have uh, Russell Wilson moving you down the, the field. What what's up? What do you don't like about Carson? Anybody out there, please comment in and tell me why is Chris Carson going late round four as the RB22? And I will give you a reason why you're wrong. The injury concerns, I guess, maybe you could bring those up. He's gotten dinged up over his early career. But ultimately, I'm not. It's injury. Anyone can get hurt on any play. This guy is a truck and probably the most jacked guy in the league. Uh, right below him, though, clearly this like 13, 14, 15 are guys that I love that the experts don't and that the ADP, because uh, I'm you know nine spots higher on Chris Carson, nine spots higher on David Montgomery, my favorite rookie running back this year. Top 10 offense, top 10 offensive line, and he fits exactly what Matt Nagy wants to do to perfection. Uh, that, and that is marrying, again, you make being unpredictable, not knowing when you're running or passing. When you had Jordan Howard last year, they ran on 60% of his plays, by far the highest and most predictable in the league. And Nagy's already come out and flat out said, we didn't have that element of unpredictability last year. David Montgomery allows you to do that. You should have seen that on the 21-yard screen. He ripped off the engine of that offense. 41 yards of uh, 41 of 49 total yards on that drive he was in in the preseason. The, everything funneled through this guy. He had a very impressive seven-yard TD scamper where he broke about a million tackles, bounced it to the outside, and, and got in. That's his calling card, his contact balance, his ability to break tackles. That, and that's why he's been compared so frequently to Kareem Hunt who Matt Nagy took as a rookie and led the league in rushing as a rookie. You got to see those comps. You got to see that similar style. And you got to think David Montgomery has all the upside in the world to do something similar to that. Broke 100 tackles in back-to-back seasons in college football. The only running back to ever break 100 tackles. Needed it in back-to-back seasons. There's some real talent here with this guy. I think he could thrive in this season coming up. Beyond him, you got Marlon Mack. That one's getting a little riskier right now with Andrew Luck's question in the air. This guy had almost all his points were in games where they were leading by 14 nothing by the end of it. So very game flow style back that everyone seems to love. But I'm a little bit lower on I love the offensive line. But when Andrew Luck's dinged up like he is, that makes this a huge risk right now. So Marlon Mack, yeah, I like the guy. But definitely a little bit lower than the expert consensus because of how dependent he is on game flow. Naeem Hines becomes that featured back uh, when, Marlon, when, when they're down. So I don't love him. And then Damian Williams has taken quite the hit. Was a fringe first rounder only about two weeks ago. But Andy Reid coming out and saying, just like my old Philly days, we're going to use a committee this year because Damian Williams had that hamstring injury. He allowed some other running backs between Carlos Hyde and especially as of late, Darwin Thompson to flash. And they're now getting some first team reps throughout camp. Uh, Goal line reps getting taken by Carlos Hyde. So Damian Williams, you know, 10 touchdowns in six games. That was a huge part of his value. If he loses those goal line touches and and starts to become a little more just in between the 20s and you don't know what that committee is going to look like ah, that's tough and this is a guy again I, I had as a fringe first rounder not all that long ago so to me I, I could see me 
putting him back up if we know he's separating. We know he's going to get about 60% of the work, but I need to see that. So you guys out there, let me know what your thoughts are on Damian Williams. Am I overreacting to this news? Is it not as big of a deal as I'm making it to be? Or is this something we should be worried about? After that, so again, that's like that high-end RB2, like ideally they're your RB2s. If you went wide receiver, wide receiver, uh, I could understand why they might be your number one running backs. They're acceptable running back ones, but that's really the elite running back two tier between those guys. And you move to tier four where these are like the, the, the last of the RB2s I'd really want. There's more RB2s below them, but these are the guys at your second running back spot that if I didn't have one of these, I'd be a little bit disappointed in. You start at the top list with Josh Jacobs. I am getting start, starting to get nervous about that Raiders team just being a complete bag of shit with Antonio Brown's feet all over the place. Is his head straight? Is he going to play with that helmet? What's going on with him? If you remove him, this offense becomes just the a biggest joke in the league. What's their number one receiver, Tyrell Williams? Like Awful. Absolutely awful team with not a great line that's been kind of hit with injuries throughout training camp too. So I don't like that about him. But because they suck so much... I actually like Josh Jacobs to be a sneaky bet for 80 to even 90 catches. Gruden's target share to running backs over 32%. For perspective, the Saints uh, and uh, what was the other team? There's only two teams that average 32% target share, the Saints being one of them. So that's what Gruden's target share to running backs has been, is on par with Sean Payton's. And Josh Jacobs, by far the best receiving running back. Jalen Rashard, yeah, he'll get his decent share, but ultimately they already said Josh Jacobs has been thriving as a pass catcher in camp. They're really excited about him. Gruden, after they drafted him, made a comment about how this guy better be ready to run. They're going to make him the centerpiece of this team. So even though the team is bleh, that's why I like David Montgomery more than him. There's still plenty of upside to Jacobs. I'm a little bit nervous, so you got to be a little wary. The fact that he never topped even, he never even approached 200 carries as a college runner. He's never been a true workhorse, so can he withstand that punishment? He's built for it. Uh, a lot of teams identify him as their number one running back on the big board. So could he do it? Sure. Is he going to do it is a better question. That's the risk with him. Right below him, and maybe a guy I'll bump up ahead of him if I don't like what the direction of Antonio Brown that Raiders offense is Devonta Freeman. We know that offense for the Falcons is going to be explosive. Matt Ryan, the number two quarterback in fantasy last year, they, they put up their points, the Falcons did, and that was without Devonta Freeman. Just a few seasons ago, this guy was a number five, number one running back in back-to-back seasons, and now you removed Tevin Coleman, who was kind of picking at his touchdowns, picking at his carries and receptions. They have Brian Hill, who's been impressive. Edo Smith's reportedly been solid, but... It's going to be the Devonta Freeman show behind a line that just added two first-rounders. you got to like what this guy could bring to the table in 2019. Now, is he healthy? We haven't seen it get done in a couple years. He wasn't great even in his last full season. But every report is that this guy's been flying around camp, looks as healthy as he has, looks like vintage Devonta Freeman is what all the reports are. I think that upside is astronomical for a guy that falls to round three. I'm a little bit lower, apparently, than the experts. He might get that bump up into this kind of like Damian Williams here when all is said and done. Um, after him, you got you know Leonard Fournette. I'm clearly lower than his ADP and a little bit lower than the experts. I just the ankle, the nagging foot injuries. John DeFilippo coming in there, one of the past happiest coordinators in the league. A lot of these things just don't add up to me feeling like Leonard Fournette will bounce back. The volume's always been there for this guy. Uh, behind Gurley and goal line carries per game. Behind, you know, only Gurley and Zeke in touches per game since this guy's active. But how many active games are you going to get? Is it going to really matter in an offense that's going to probably be a little bit more pass-happy under DeFilippo? A little bit nervous about Leonard Fournette, not going to lie. And then here's a guy significantly up my board, yet I'm still eight spots lower than his ECR. What gives Wolf? 
Why are you so low on carry-on? Well, one, I do love the fact that Theo Riddick's finally removed. He was between 20 purgatory, having touchdowns and receptions, the two fantasy gold mines removed from him. And now at least one of those things, receptions, is going to carry on Johnson. All the beat writers projecting 60-plus catches for this guy. And I'm on board with that. I think he could easily see his receptions spike to that number, uh, especially the, the one piece telling piece of evidence in my mind was when Theo Riddick was out last year, Yes, he set his rushing record with like 158 yards or so against Miami. Fantastic, had great plays. But I'm more interested in the Seattle game. They were down by two touchdowns the entire game, essentially, starting in the second quarter. Carrion Johnson played 81% of those snaps after the, he, uh, the team went down. So that tells me this guy's going to be that third down back. Tells me he's going to be their catch-up mode back on a team that I don't think is going to be leading in too many games. So that gives me more confidence that he's going to have probably 60% or so snap share. What I am nervous about, though, is the touchdowns. He lost those carries to Blunt last year, and Blunt was god-awful at the stripe. Now you get C.J. Anderson, who's been historically efficient in short yardage and goal-to-goal situations. I think a better version of LeGarrette Blunt, who Carrion Johnson couldn't clearly separate from. Plus, you mix in a very sketchy injury history. He missed a lot of time last year, had tons of little dings and, and you know, nagging soft tissue issues all throughout his career at Auburn. I don't know that this guy could ever withstand a workhorse duty, and I don't think he's going to get workhorse duty. So when you mix those two things, the injury concerns, the goal line vulture concerns, I am definitely a little bit lower on carry on Johnson than most, even if I understand, you know, second in yards per carry last year, tons of talent with this guy. I just think there's a, a lot of red flags that a lot of people seem to be ignoring this year. Uh, but, you know, Sean Gallant telling me KJ's fire. So, you know, yeah, some people, a lot of people are very high on this guy. I'm not one of them. Below him, Mark Ingram, one of my favorite guys to target. Uh, he falls like round five. This is going to be the run heaviest team. Um, it's not even that bold of a prediction. Greg Roman's teams have been, you know, one through five in rush attempts in pretty much every single season. That guy's been a play caller over a six-year career. Uh, when Lamar Jackson took over last year, they became like a 62 to 38% pass. Uh, so 62% run with Lamar Jackson under center. They've already said that guy's going to be continuing to run the ball. So you got Greg Roman, one of the run heaviest guys. Uses a lot of traps, tons of different, it, one of the most creative run game minds you'll ever find. We saw Frank Gore thrive in his system. Uh, it's just unbelievable for a running back. A running back's paradise. Uh, then you got Lamar Jackson, who should hopefully also play that Colin Kaepernick role pretty well and move this offense down the field at a good clip. I love everything Mark Ingram brings to the table. Great receiver. They're not going to take him out of the, uh, on third downs. He's been a number one running back in four out of five years with the Saints, and that's in a split-style committee. He's been unbelievably efficient when he's with the Saints. They've had one of the better run-blocking lines. I understand that. And you got Drew Brees threatening defense, so the, the boxes are light. But Ingram's by every single metric, pro football focus, whatever you want to look at, yards after contact, all that. He's been unbelievable. So I really like Mark Ingram. I think he brings a ton to the table. And then below him, that's where I slide in Melvin Gordon. Now, obviously, if he's there, he's my number four or five running back. An unbelievable upside to have him at running back 23. But I think this guy's dug in. That's kind of my gut here talking. But he said when Le'Veon Bell situation last year, he said, I would do the same exact thing. And he's currently doing the same exact thing. I don't know that he shows up. It sounds like the Chargers are dug in. We see Eckler and Justin Jackson showing that, they, hey, they can probably carry the load if Melvin Gordon doesn't show up, which hurts his leverage quite a bit. 
These are the running backs. I look at all these guys, and I couldn't pass up on the high-end RB2 upside of any of them uh, for Melvin Gordon, who could just be a complete zero on my team all year. But after them, that's where I'm like, okay, I'll take this risk. So he ends up sliding in about 40 or so overall after the first three rounds. That's where you might have you know two running backs already. Then I could stomach that. It is tough because you be those two holdouts between Zeke and Melvin Gordon. There could be an owner who drafts this weekend, gets Kamara like two or three overall, gets Zeke in the second round, gets Gordon in the third or fourth, and both those guys come back. Imagine if you had Kamara, Gordon, Zeke. You're not losing your fantasy league. You're, you're winning it all. So you've got to keep that in mind, too. Like You could make a league-winning move by taking Melvin Gordon, but it also could blow your team out, too, if he never shows up. It could be that Le'Veon Bell situation. So if you did take him, you have to take that plunge on Eckler and Justin Jackson early, too. It's probably worth the risk, though. I mean, Melvin Gordon, what a monster. 12 touchdowns or more and back-to-back-to-back years. Just so well used as a receiver, as a runner. Just a perfect home for him. So you got to hope as a fantasy owner he comes back. I'm drafting Sunday. I really hope he's back by then. And then we move to Tier 5. This is... And if they were my running back twos, but I had, you know, Kelsey in the stacked receiving core, I'd kind of be okay with that, with these running backs. You see, Philip Lindsay, he would have been, you know, right around Josh Jacobs here at 18 Riddick. Now, I get Riddick, he broke his shoulder, he's going to be out six to eight weeks. That kind of gives Lindsay a decent bump up. Uh, still, though, it could be that three headed nightmare. Royce Freeman is apparently a much closer to 50 50 split this year. Lindsay only needed about 50% of the snaps last year to dominate and have over 220 fantasy points uh, as undrafted free agent that's the most anyone's ever had at the running back position but I love the talent I think the talent fits this zone blocking scheme that Rich Scangarello their new offensive coordinator is going to bring there from the Shanahan tree Lindsay has unbelievable vision unbelievable one cut ability so I love the fit I love the talent I like the system that's coming into place but if Freeman's eating about 50% of those carries if Theo Riddick takes a bunch of receptions when he comes back Lindsay definitely takes a decent hit because of that. So 24 as a flex, I would absolutely love this guy. But, oh, man, whereas I would have him at you know RB17, RB16, a little bit of a hit now uh, with that happening. Then Sony Michelle, I love the latest reports that he's separating from Damian Harris. Maybe he won't lose those goal line carries like everybody was projecting, everybody thought, everybody rang that death bell for him there. If he has the goal line role, then he should be right up here, you know, along Jacobs and Freeman. Because we saw in the, the playoffs what this guy could do. Unbelievable, you know, 20-something touchdown pace because he was such a beast at the stripe there. Apparently, he's flashed as a receiver and looked great in that role as well. So he's a guy that could end up rising throughout camp. I want to know that he has it on lockdown. I know Damian Harris is dealing with some injuries, so that could shake things up. But I really like Sony Michelle. I like Tevin Coleman with Jared McKinnon laid up right now, potentially starting the season on the IR, Jarek McKinnon. That would free up eight weeks for Tevin Coleman to just take a stranglehold on the lead horse backs of None other than Kyle Shanahan's zone blocking scheme, which I continue to gush about his protégés. Nobody runs it better than Kyle Shanahan. He's got experience with Tevin Coleman in Atlanta. They say they're moving him all over the place more creatively than he's ever been used before in his career as a pass catcher. The, the de facto goal line runner is the biggest guy there. You guess, you know, Kyle Juszczyk raving about how he's finishing his runs in the goal line, an area where they ranked 32nd last year, dead last in the league in rushing touchdowns, especially rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Tevin Coleman could easily rack those up with Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, maybe sparking this offense to its truest potential. If this guy is, you know, a 60-40 split with Breida, he is going to absolutely feast on receptions, on touchdowns. Very real 1,500-yard, 10-touchdown upside. 
that you can get in round six or seven. Tevin Coleman, one of the best values in fantasy right now, uh, especially with the McKinnon news. Now, McKinnon could end up not making the IR, and this could all be a bunch of nothing. It could go back to that three-headed mess that we were all concerned about. That's why I don't have him you know, all the way up in my tier two running backs. But I do think you know, a lot of people speculating he's going to be gone. I love it. Eckler coming up to 27 here, eight spots higher than his ECR. Again, two spots higher on Coleman, eight spots higher on Eckler. Obviously, so much of that's dependent on Melvin Gordon. Is he going to show up? What's his role going to be? So I really do like Eckler. Uh, so many good metrics about how efficient he was. You see in their first preseason game, if Gordon wasn't to show up, Eckler was on the field for 12 of 16 snaps with the starting first team. In that game, Jackson got four. Eckler got the first two goal line touches. Justin Jackson, he did fumble him. That's a pretty decent concern. Yes, I agree. But Justin Jackson then goes and finishes a, a touchdown on one of his snaps. It'd probably be a little bit of a committee, but it looked like Eckler would be the heavy favorite. And that's how it was whenever he was on the field. He would out-touch, out-snap Justin Jackson. There's the worry, is he going to be just as efficient in a featured role as he is in the change of pace role? And he wasn't great when he got heavy work last year outside of one game. He had three games where he was over 20 touches, and he only had one real good game out of those. But I, I think a lot of that was he was dinged up. I think Austin Eckler could be a monster, a potential James Conner-style pick this year if Melvin Gordon doesn't show. You guys have probably heard me rave about Latavius Murray. Ten touchdowns standalone upside in this Saints attack in that Mark Ingram-style role. He showed great as a receiver in their first preseason game, rips off three straight receptions. It, just a great fit for that, that role where Mark Ingram was in a running back six just two seasons ago, even splitting the backfield with Alvin Kamara. I could see Latavius Murray easily sneaking into that top 15 running back stratosphere and then you got that handcuff with benefit style upside if something ever happened to Alvin Kamara you're looking at a top three to five weekly running back behind that line within that offense the Saints have had the first first second second and first most total backfield points these last two years Tavis Murray's going to feast on that ground pie. I think he's an unbelievable value right now. James White right here, you know, it's tricky because he had such a great season last year, but I think a ton of that was one Sony Michelle's injury. So many points, average like 23 fantasy points per game with Sony Michelle out uh, versus about 14 to 15 with Sony Michelle in. Became a much less consistent usage guy. A ton of his touchdowns came without Sony in the lineup. Then you add Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead's in there. They, James White came off you know, over 200 touches for the first time in his career. They've already talked about how they don't want that. He's kind of like their playoff secret weapon. I see him getting much better, much closer to that you know, 120, 130 touch range. A guy that I think is due for some serious touchdown regression this year. So as much as I love him as a Patriot fan, and Tom Brady doesn't have very many reliable targets there right now. So he's still going to get plenty of his receiving work. But I think the touchdowns take a big hit. I think that handcuff upside he had last year takes a big hit if something ever happens to Sony. I think Damian Harris kind of steps in. So not a huge James White or Tariq Cohen. When you're kind of those pass-catching specialist guys, they they end up just being so volatile. You don't know how many receptions they're game flow dependent. Is it going to be a game where you grind it out because you're on top? Or are they going to be playing from behind and Tariq Cohen suddenly has a you know, 30-point day? It's just so boomer bust there. So I, I don't love that. I'm through 30 running backs, and I do have to kind of cut this short because we're getting ready for our round table. So let me kind of rapid fire through this. 31, Daryl Henderson, one of the most highest upside picks. I'm plus 10 on his ADP, plus 7 on his running back ranking. I think this guy blows up this year, runs the most outside, 10 yards per carry in outside zone runs last year. Nobody ran more outside zone run than the Rams. This guy's going to blow up. And then, of course, if Gurley, if that knee does flare up, holy hell, uh, my God. 
God, this guy would have a limitless ceiling. So I think compared to their Kamara, Adam Schefter came on our podcast and said Sean McVay said this was the most explosive player in the draft, the number one offensive weapon on his draft board that he had to get. They trade up and go get him. They compare him to their Kamara. Again, that style, 30 40% of touches in this backfield would really yield some significant value. Uh, for Daryl Henderson. Kenyon Drake getting hurt today, that's going to probably bump him down below guys like Rashad Penny, who's the 1B in the run-heaviest scheme of last year. So uh, he's going to get tons of that Mike Davis vacated volume. Carson has his injury concerns, so Penny could really thrive. All reports, this guy's in much better shape. Guy's significantly lower than what his talent is on this board. One of my favorite talents when he's fully healthy, but he's already dealing with hamstring injuries because he's compensating for the knee surgery of last year where he had to have about three different surgeries. Still hasn't been met cleared. That offensive line's god-awful when Trent Williams isn't there. That offense as a whole is god-awful when you got Case Keenum leading the charge and no receivers to speak of. And then you got Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson and they draft Bryce Love. Is it a four-headed fucking nightmare on a disgusting team? As much as I love Geis and his talent, the second rounder for me last year, this situation's gross. Maybe by mid-season he emerges and is like a stretch-run season winner. I'll probably be trying to trade for him come mid-year, but he's going to be a nothing to start the season, uh, so I, I'm not in on him. Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson back-to-back here. Uh, definitely much lower on Lamar Miller than the experts. Negative 6, negative 5 of his running back ranking. We're on plus 10, plus 12 for Duke, and that's simply because I think Duke's the better back. Uh, he could be a featured back. The amount of capital they gave up for this guy, Duke Johnson, your third conditional third rounder, fourth rounder, whatever it ends up being, that's a lot for a running back these days. And that's Bill O'Brien pulling the strings there. So clearly he envisioned a role for him. Even if they haven't been very pass happy to their running backs, it dead last last year, 28th, 28th, the years before that. Bill O'Brien hasn't loved throwing his running backs, but he hasn't had a guy like Duke Johnson who graded out 90.9 on pro football focuses ratings as a receiver, the, the high, fourth highest grade of anybody for the last few years. This guy's a beast. I, I really like Duke Johnson. I think he adds a ton. I could see him kind of becoming a no-huddle team where Duke Johnson's just that guy in the backfield. Uh, I really like him. Miles Sanders, what an intriguing talent behind the best offensive line in the league in a top five offense if Carson Wentz is fully there. But you can't expect all that much from this guy to start the season. Uh, he's behind Jordan Howard, who's been eating up short yardage and first-team reps. You got Darren Sproles and Corey Clement in pass-catching situations. And Doug Peterson's always preferred a committee. So as good as this guy was at at uh, PSU after Saquon Barkley, he only had you know three less yards last year or something of that nature. This guy's very talented. By mid-season, if he's the featured back, he would be an unbelievable season winner. But that's just never how Doug Peterson's done done it and when you got a four-headed nightmare right now just uh, he's one of the more overrated guys in my opinion despite being very clear on the upside uh, department and then last but not least you got Carlos Hyde here uh, clearly I'm much higher than his ECR plus 10 he's been operating as the first down uh, the first back with uh, Damian Williams sitting out camp so that's obviously a huge upside if he ended up emerging as the starter at any point for this team uh, so Carlos Hyde Maybe he gets the goal line touches in an offense that's going to lead the league in goal line attempts, probably. There's just tons of upside here. Handcuff upside. If Damian Williams ever went down, he'd be a monster. With them moving to a committee, Carlos Hyde becomes a bit more interesting depending on what type of role he carves out for himself. 
Last but not least, these are just kind of the tier seven here. So that was tier six. Those are like my elite bench, I like to call them. Again, Daryl Henderson, Drake, who's going to drop. Penny, Geis, Miller, Johnson, Sanders, Hyde. Like my ideal stashes right there. And then just the last kind of guys to consider. Uh, these are the guys at the end of the draft, the penny stocks to load up on. And I have a much bigger list at rotostreetjournal.com slash big board if you want to see more than top 50. But I got Tony Pollard at 39 in case Zeke holds out. Yeah, top five line. I'm way higher, plus 34 of the experts ranking right there. I'm a huge fan of Tony Pollard. Justin Jackson in case Zeke holds out. Those are kind of like the, the holdout contingent guys, but huge upside. Royce Freeman coming in at 41. Ripped off a nice 50-yard run. Looks like a good fitness zone blocking scheme. Going to get more volume. Breida right behind him at 42. As the clear-cut number two with McKinnon shelved. I think he's got a ton of upside. Barber, the clear lead back in Tampa Bay in an offense that marched down the field under Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians has loved workhorse backs in his past. Is uninspiring as Barber is, as inefficient and ugly as he is as a runner. Uh, I'm not a big fan of him. Devin Singletary, I think, could really end up carving himself out a nice role in this Buffalo offense come midseason. Looked like a true every down back in his first preseason action, so he's a late-round penny stock. Jalen Samuels, plus four ECR because that carved-out standalone role it seems like he's making for himself. And then you got, of course, the handcuff upside if Connor's injury from last year you know, flares up or any of that nature. Ronald Jones has the upside to steal the job from Barber and has apparently been one of the off-season stars for the Bucks, so he has some upside. Kareem Hunt, a great stash if you have the bench depth to do it. Obviously, you know, you're going to miss him for the three, two-thirds of the fantasy season, but that last third, the playoff stretch run, if Chubb ever got hurt or if Hunt just comes in and he's that much fresher that they give him the lead back role in this offense, whew, he could be a season stretch run winner. for So worth worth a pick, worth a stash in all um, areas. And then Kalen Bellage to round out this list uh, of elite stashes, the guy getting the first team reps, and now Kenyon Drake gets hurt. He was already the goal line back. We saw him cap off a drive this weekend already. I really like Kalen Bellage's upside. Alrighty, guys, we're going to hit the round table. We'll recover all the burning questions for the running position, back position now. I hope you enjoyed this rankings rundown. Sean, thanks for tuning in your comments. Uh, we'll do these ranking rundowns every Wednesday, different position from here to the season to get you prepped for your draft day. Uh, this is The Wolf, and I will be back on the podcast now with the round table. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out, guys. Everybody, we are back with part two of our running backs preview podcast, and now we are live with a roundtable. No Nat, sadly, today. He's our usual facilitator, but the dad life called yet again. What a shocker for our guy. So hopefully we'll be back next for our next positional roundtable. We'll hit wide receivers on the next one. Uh, these will be every Wednesday we record these. So be tuned in for that, but we're hitting the most important position. That's the running back position where you get tons of your fantasy points, but tons of volatility. We don't know who's going to stay healthy, who's going to break out every year there's just tons of turnover i saw a stat like 50 percent of the top 12 running backs key oh, i thought we had keegan but he just sprinted somewhere uh but top top 50 percent of the top 12 running backs don't repeat uh the next year the guys you draft don't actually pay off so tons of volatility we got to make sure we get as many minds as we can so that's why today we've got cj jimbo slice and keegs the trusty rsj crew with me today i'm going to be feeding them the questions i'll summarize my picks as well too at the end of them all uh just try to give you guys as many opinions as we can gentlemen how are we doing tonight fantastic doing great Good. doing awesome 
<laughs> Everyone sounds so thrilled to be here, as you can hopefully hear their enthusiasm coming through. But we're going to start off right at the top of the draft, and there's kind of a consensus big three in every draft. That's Saquon, C-Mac, and Kamara. And we want to know who would the RSJ crew take. So, CJ, why don't you lead us off? Who's your number one guy at the top of the board? All right, so I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Um, I just think that he's just a true workhorse. I mean, he had 97% of the snaps last season. And although there has been some coach speak lately about wanting to spell him from some snaps, they said that his touches would remain the same. And, I mean, his backups still suck. But Cameron Artis, Payne, who hasn't done anything in 10 years. Uh, Scarlett is a rookie who's kind of whatever. And I don't know, I just think he's going to continue to get his necessary touches to – and he'll just be in a really good offense still. I mean, if Cam stays healthy, DJ Moore is going to get better. Samuel is going to be better. Olsen's hopefully healthy. They actually they have a lot of potential, so I like him this year. All righty, Jimbo, what do you think of that? I still like Saquon at number one. I know that'll it'll probably get some uh, disgusting reactions from you, but you know the volume's there. He's going to get 20 carries a game, and he's it's dump off city there in that atrocious offense. So he catches so many passes. Where in PPR and half PPR, he's just gonna like it's insane how many points he racks up. And the thing is that he's so consistent, and he's always that huge threat to rip off like a sixty-yard touchdown run. So I mean, I I can't not pass on Saquon. Alrighty, Keegs, you in agreement with these two, or you got a different guy in mind? Yeah, I'm going the the third direction. I think Kamara. I mean, I it, it's tough because there's a reason why these guys are the top three. Is that you know any one of them could really go one. And uh, but I think just when you look at Kamara with Ingram finally out of his way and what he was able to do for the first four games last year when Ingram was out, and you know he's got a Hall of Fame quarterback, Hall of Fame coach, and the highest paid receiver in the league, and he's the guy pacing the offense. He's catching balls. He's become a better runner the last couple of years, and I, I think he's going to go nuts this year. I'm with you. I'm signing with the best offense, even if his role isn't quite as huge as the other two. I just love the touchdown upside, as you mentioned, historic pace without Ingram there. He's been the running back three and four the last two years, so if that's his floor and the ceiling we might not have seen yet, I'm signing with Kamara. So we got our first one, Alvin Kamara, the number one pick. You two are idiots otherwise. Uh, we're going to move on, though, to another question that could really make or break fantasy seasons. A guy that's been the number one running back in back-to-back seasons, the only running back to actually do that in 15 years and that's Todd Gurley there's tons of hate now about Todd Gurley uh, the knee obviously being a part of that so the next question I'm going to pose to you guys is to Gurley or not to Gurley and I'm going to start with you Jimbo because I know this is a question you've been weighing quite heavily these last few weeks it's true um I'm actually starting to waver a little bit where kind of pumping the brakes on him but I think in like the second round I think I'd be okay taking that risk I can't do it in the first you really need to lock down that first round pick like you saw last year with uh, Lev Bell. And I just don't know if you can do that again with Gurley this year. What about you, Keegs? What's your opinion on it? Uh, I just feel like so. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of lukewarm on Gurley. I guess like I it's not that I wouldn't take him, but I'm not personally going to take him. And it's more like I think he could he could have a solid year. He could still be Gurley or he could completely fall apart again. And either way, I just don't really want to deal with it personally. So I, I don't hate him, and especially like Jimbo says, if you can get him like early to mid-second, I think that's a smart pick. But personally, I don't think I'm going to do it. What do you think, CJ? Um, we all know my stance by now. I fucking hate the guy. I'm not doing it. I'm cemented into my take for the rest of the summer, and that's it. I mean, just McVeigh loves Henderson, as uh, Mr. Schefter told us on the podcast. 
And he's obviously he just showed that he's not scared of limiting Gurley if he even sees anything, even if it's a Super Bowl, even if it's the biggest game of his life, he doesn't care. So that's my take on that. Well, at least all three of these guys are wrong. Gurley's should be a first-rounder, number seven on my big board. 40 touchdowns in two seasons these last two years. He's still going to be the goal line hammer in the league's most explosive offense these last two years. I don't see why he doesn't get 15 touchdowns. Everybody's at risk of getting hit in the knee and getting a flare-up. I have no problem taking this guy within my top seven or so picks. I love Todd Gurley. I think he's going to do exactly what he's been doing. Just reduced a little bit in terms of volume, but not reduced in role at the goal line, which is where it matters most. So I'm all about him in round one, even if you guys are all wishy-washy. Not a fan. Well, I mean, ev- anybody can get hit in the knees, but not everybody has arthritis at 23. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, old man, he's, but anyone who has surgery, so everybody who has ACL surgery ends up developing arthritis. So like Dalvin Cook, we're all so high about, no one's scared except about for, him. Uh, t- except for Tom Brady. <laughs> t- well, t- yeah, the superhuman, you know, not everybody can be superhuman. Not the rule. And there's just like they're managing it so well. He's lost weight to try to put a little bit less pressure on that. His whole a reduced role is going to go a little ways. I don't mind that they're taking a little bit. So yeah, that my cap is ceiling. But I think to me, reducing that role, reducing those unnecessary steps, uh, snaps like we're seeing with Christian McCaffrey, and nobody's reacting about. I think that's you know a nice step to keeping this guy healthy and longevity for the season. I'm not worried about the arthritis. I think it's got much to do about nothing. This is a goat. He played with it all last year. It flared up in week one last year and this guy still put up 21 touchdowns in 14 games he's gonna beast it you guys are all wrong but anyways let's continue on uh the next tier so a lot of you guys would take you know these guys above Gurley. Gurley's kind of right after david johnson for me my number five but most people uh oh you know what these other two never mind i'm, I'm skipping a question get a little horny ahead of myself here but of the megastore star holdouts this is probably the second biggest question so girlier to not girly the next question especially if you're drafting this weekend or anytime soon is the megastar holdout zeke and melvin gordon so the question is do you think either of them pull that levy on bell and just kind of sit out the majority if not all the season and where would you take these guys if you were forced to draft this weekend where's the, t- the type of place you're going to stomach that risk let's start with you keegs uh, I don't think either of them are going to pull a bell because they're they're also in different situations. Like they're both, you know, under contract for the year. Versus Bell was they were trying to tag him. I think that's got to factor in. They obviously like it could happen. I don't think either of them are going to lay on it. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon will probably last the longer of the two because I think Zeke's going to become more and more of a priority, and Jerry Jones will spend the money. Um, I'd probably go late one early two for zeke if he's there uh if he makes it that far and i'd have to wait until probably at least the third round for gordon what do you think cj yeah i still don't think zeke's gonna hold out i mean jerry jones he's gonna end up paying him at some point or i don't know i just feel like zeke just really likes football and he just i don't know i see him he'll be there week one but then you've kind of changed my tune on gordon a little bit um he just doesn't he seems like really into just holding out as long as possible and the chargers really don't give a shit about him they have two good backs with eckler and jackson and i think they can stomach either trading him or just being like all right you can sit there and do nothing for the season so where would you if you were drafting on sunday which i am where would you consider both of these guys Uh, i think zeke i would still go end of the first early second gordon i don't know uh third maybe okay maybe still still mid to late third Okay. Yeah, what about like Dalvin Cook versus Zeke? Would you take Dalvin Cook while the holdout's going on? Or are you still willing to stomach that Zeke risk? No, I'd do Zeke. 
And still do Zeke? Okay. I mean, he is yeah. my number one overall player if he's there. So that's that's why I'm more willing to stomach it. What about you, Jimmy? I think these guys touched on it pretty well. Um, at least with Melvin Gordon, he's got two really good replacements there. So I don't see any reason to be drafting him if I was in your shoes on Sunday. Yeah. Um, maybe the closer it gets, he comes back fine. But even still, then it's not some. He's not someone I'm trying to get uh, this year. At least with Zeke, though, I would still take him like mid first right now. After those like big three guys, I'd maybe David Johnson, and then I'd still take him middle of the first because I mean. There's no way he doesn't come back. I feel like he has to come back, and he's not okay. Would you take him above like those target hog clear cut, the Devonte Adams, the DeAndre Hopkins, the Odell tier, or would you go with those guys and then Zeke? Uh, I'd probably put him right above Hopkins and Adams. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So if you're you're drafting at eleven, if he's still holding out, you're thinking you'll you'll take him at eleven there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Ah, interesting. I'm I'm a little bit more cautious. Maybe that is because I'm actually drafting this week, and I have him right around where Keegs was hitting that that like two three turn. That's where I'm willing to stomach because he is the number one overall player on my board again. If he does show up, seventy seven catches last year. I think the sixteen touchdowns of his rookie season kind of return this offense sparks. I would absolutely love this guy, but it is a huge risk with Le'Veon Bell. I don't know. He see, he strikes me as like a stubborn guy. He's in like Cabo right now, so it's like, is he gonna ever come back to the country? Even I don't know. It makes me nervous. It's just crazy to think, though, too. I was like, hi, last night talking to my, my buddies. And it's like, yeah, you could end up getting like Kamara at one, Zeke at two, and Melvin Gordon in the third. Imagine if all of them just come back and it's like you had Kamara, Zeke, and Gordon. How would you lose your league? That would be unbelievable. So there's a ton of risk, but the reward could be unbelievable payout. So if I'm doing best ball and that's like the strategy, this is kind of a nice time to do best ball because you could realistically compile that team together and you'd end up winning a tournament with that league. So that, that's just an interesting thought to stomach those three running backs would just be insane I, I couldn't even imagine your like high orgasm you had thinking of that <laughs> uh, <laughs> i locked the door for a little bit and i uh, ran out of lotion mid, mid stroke let's just put it that way uh, <laughs> but uh, after, after all these big three we talked about and then todd Gurley, wherever you want to lump him there's this tough tier of running backs i know jimbo i'll probably just start with you on this one because you're having nightmares of this tier it's right around that first and second round fringe so the candidates we have here are james connor joe Joe Mixon, Le'Veon Bell, Dalvin Cook, and Nick Chubb. They're kind of that like lower end RB1. If you got him as your RB2 somehow, you went RBRB, you'd be stoked. But that tier of running backs, that first fringe round tier, what, what do you think, Jimbo? Who are you eyeing if you're at pick 11 right now? I love James Conner. Um, I'm very high on him this year. And just like that Pittsburgh offense, that thing sings. And he's the lead back, and he can basically fill in for Le'Veon and do – Almost exactly what he did. So, you know, all the receptions, uh, the touchdowns, goal line work. I'm not too worried about, about like, Jalen Samuels or Benny Snow, really. I think he's going to be the lead dog, and he's going to put up yards and points. And I'm, I think he's a true RB1. Intriguing. Keeks, do you agree with him, or do you got another guy on your radar? Uh, I'm, I'm a big Connor fan, obviously, but uh, I, I'm huge on Joe Mixon going in this year. I think Zach Taylor is going to do wonders for that offense. And, mm-hmm. I mean— you know, it's the Bengals offense. It's not, it's never going to be the 07 Pats, but I think they, they can establish the run with him. I think he's crazy talented. I think they're going to work him more into the passing game than he has been so far in his pro career. Cause that's something he did a lot in college. And that's something Zach Taylor is going to bring to them. And, um, you know, if their offensive pieces can stay healthy around him, like fucking AJ green, then, you know, I, I, I think Mixon's like definitely an RB one and definitely a first round pick. Do you agree, CJ? What are your thoughts? 
Uh, so I really, I just love all these running backs. I feel like they're all can't miss. And, um, but I'm going to say Nick Chubb. I feel like he's going to be an absolute workhorse, um, with, uh, Duke Johnson out of the picture now. And then they do have Kareem Hunt coming back week nine, but I think if the Browns are really on a roll and say, if they're, I don't know, six and two or even five and three, it's going to be hard for kitchens to kind of put those two into a committee if the offense is rolling. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Hunt could take away some passing duties, but I, don't know, I think Chubb's still going to get you the points in the goal line and probably the in-between-the-20s stuff. Intriguing. Yeah, I have. I just said it on the broadcast before this that Chubb, I wouldn't be shocked to see him score the most fantasy points of any running back in the entire league for those first nine weeks until Hunt comes back. I am nervous about getting just abandoned at the end there. What if he's worn down and they want the fresher? I mean, Kareem Hunt is Kareem Hunt. He's an elite talent. He's as good as they get. So I don't see a situation where it's just like, it's not broke. Don't fix it. Don't don't ruin it. They're going to use Kareem Hunt when he comes back. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on Chubb. There's some intriguing stats about Connor. Uh, I was recently reading that the Steelers, their number one running back has not finished lower than running back six in six straight seasons. Whether it's been Le'Veon Bell, whether it's been Connor himself last year, whether it was D'Angelo Williams. Like, it it didn't matter. It was always the running back six, whoever entered the year as the starter. So that's a pretty good backing. That's why I have James Connor the highest. I am a little bit wary that Samuels is getting the standalone role. They're th- just raving about this guy every single day in training camp about his pass catching role. So that gets me a little bit nervous. The receptions might take a hit, but when you got 15 touchdowns from Antonio Brown now up for grabs, I think a lot of that goes to James Conner. So he's my pick. It was Joe Mixon just a couple of you know, a month or so ago, they had Jonah Williams, and the line looked so great, and A.J. Green. And I do love the Zach Taylor scheme, as you pointed out, Keeks, but ultimately losing Jonah Williams and then losing A.J. Green, it's just like, I don't know if these are warning signs or what you take them as, but the, the offense is going to be a little bit hit by those. So that's why Connor has kind of slidden into number six. After this tier, we're kind of just going to run through a few uh, of those really difficult tiers. We call them the tier jerkers. Me and Joey Hops, if you're listening right now, used to do this all the time. Uh, we're going to run through just like, you know, the round two to three tier next and then the next tier after that, the mid-round guys. We're in the, but like I said, the round two to three tier, we got Aaron Jones, Derek Henry, Marlon Mack, Damian Williams. And then if you want to throw in, a lot of people lump in on Johnson there. I don't think he's even close. Some people like Devonta Freeman up there. Uh, I've even seen, you know, a guy we love, Scott Barrett, have Leonard Fournette at 14 overall, running back nine. So those are, <laughs> I, I'm glad you guys snickered at that dude. This is disgusting. I would never even consider him in this tier. Uh, but the rest of those names, all very intriguing and all difficult to kind of sift through. Maybe you got your lead horse in round one. You got a target hog in round two uh, at wide receiver. And now you're looking at who do I get for my second guy? So between those four, again, Jones, Henry, Mack, Williams. And if you want Freeman or carry on, feel free to toss him in there too. Who are you going with CJ? I'm staying with Damian Williams. Um, this coaching staff is just so fucking annoying though. Like all off season, they're just, well, then I didn't get why in the beginning they even call him the workhorse. Like there's no reason to even do that. And then now, so he gets hurt and then they kind of go back on their words just because I feel like Carlos Hyde and whoever else all those idiots are. Darwin um, Thompson. Yeah. Whatever. I think he's legit. You keep going. I won't steal you. Keep going. So I feel like they just kind of like toss them a bone being like, yeah, Damian Williams has been like doing nothing while you guys are grinding at camp. So um, here's it's going to be a big committee and everything. But I guess the last two days he's been getting the clear uh, first team reps. So I think all things are back to normal in Kansas City. What do you think, Jimbo? Uh, I'm pretty much all these guys listed in this tier. I pretty much hate all of them. Really? Um, 
except Damian Williams. I, it's the the whole Chiefs RB one thing. It's just the numbers are insane. I think Carlos Hyde is so irrelevant. I've had him a couple of years, and he's just done nothing except for get PPR points, maybe a touchdown. But I mean, if he can do what Kareem Hunt did, but in like a Kareem Hunt light version, and just because that offense is going to put so many points, and I feel like he's just so much more talented that. I feel like he's if he's going to keep dropping, I'm all for it this year. All right, Keegs, you with the Damian Williams train too? We got two for him so far. I'm definitely not avoiding the Damian Williams train, but if we're talking this group of guys, I love Aaron Jones, um, mm. and I just he, he, at some point they got to realize that he's the best guy they got. I mean, you know, they they have other options. I get that, but. Uh, Aaron Jones, he's talented, and you know if if Rodgers can stay healthy, obviously that's that's an offense that's going to move the ball and score points. Um, and if he can finally get the Jamal Williams size, you know, brick out of his way, um, I think he could be, you know, having himself a great year. Absolutely, I, it was originally Damian Williams wouldn't even been this tier for me. He was a, a leap above these guys, a fringe first rounder. I am nervous though. They're talking about the committee. I like that you're pointing out, CJ. It's getting back to normal, and Williams is taking the first team snaps. But I, I'm a little bit nervous. I know it sounds crazy, but Darwin Thompson, that sixth round rookie, he looked unbelievable. I get it was against third stringers, but as a receiver, as a runner, everyone's raving about him. I guess he got some first team reps for the first time in camp uh, on Tuesday, even with Williams back there, and I. I mean, Williams is good, but I don't think he's this like elite talent that could fend off somebody that if they're, they're really thriving. Uh, so I'm a little bit nervous about Darwin more than Hyde or anybody else. So I, I do side with Aaron Jones. I'm with you, Keegs. If he takes this job and runs out right, when he got 18 touches or more a game throughout his career, he's averaged like 23 or something like that fantasy points. It was a running back five pace last year whenever he had over 18 touches. And Matt LaFleur's lead back 87.5% of the time has gotten 18 touches or more. Jamal Williams has been banged up all camp so now it gives him more of a chance to establish a firmer grip on that starting role I'm all about Aaron Jones I almost think he might be a tier above the rest of these guys Marlon Matt you know I love Henry too obviously I'm, I'm against I'm a different than you Jimmy I really like this tier as a whole but uh Aaron Jones is at the top of it for me um but after these guys uh it maybe is my favorite tier for value kind of like falling to round four sometimes you even see him fall to round five which is just ludicrous in my opinion but we got Chris Carson David Montgomery Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, and then if you want to lump in those Patriots running backs between Sony and James White, a lot of times those guys are in this tier. Uh, so, Keegan, who do you start out with this tier? I am back and forth on a bunch of these guys, and it's particularly Mark Ingram. I've gone so back and forth for since he mm-hmm. ended up in Baltimore. And you look at, you know, the pros, like the team, all they do is run, and, you know, he's, he's going to pace the entire offense, but then you got, you know, all they can do is run, so the defense is just prepared for that. But I think with a guy like Ingram, who's obviously talented, he's a, he's a bigger guy, he can take some hits, and he's just the volume he's going to get. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, he's just going to chip away at it, chip away at it. And, and when you compare it to the other guys in this tier that are all kind of wild cards in their own right, I think he's he's definitely got the, uh, I would say, the highest floor. What do you think, CJ? Um, I'm just all in on David Montgomery at this point. I mean, you've kind of talked me into Chris Carson a little bit from like, I don't know, I just think he sucks. <laughs> I just thought he did suck. But then like you just talked me into him more and more. Where, I mean, if Montgomery did get reached for, I wouldn't mind Carson as a secondary piece. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Terry Cohen is still going to get third down opportunities, and they'll probably just throw him in the slot. But Dave Montgomery is just going to be a three-down horse in this offense, and Nagy's just going to ride him. 
What about you, Jimbo? We got Ingram, we got Montgomery. You got anybody else on your, in your radar? Is it one of those two? Uh, see, this is my favorite tier compared to the last tier, which is mm-hmm. just shitty. I, I would be fine with anyone in this category here. Um, Chris Carson's the leader for me at the moment, but I would bet you that by the end of the preseason, it'll be Montgomery because he just keeps putting out more and more highlights. Um, his runs are insane. He's so elusive. But, you know, with Chris Carson, that's such a run-heavy offense in Seattle. And I'm not too worried about Rashad Penny really coming in, doing too much damage to his stock. And apparently they want to get Carson Moore catches out of the backfield this year. They're saying hopefully, realistically, a nice like 50 spot, which would be very nice PPR-wise. Um, so yeah, Carson Montgomery. I do like Ingram, like he says. Jacobs is great. And the two pass guys, I'm fine with anyone here. Yeah, you mentioned the intriguing part too here is like this tier in round four. At round three, the receiver is still available, whether it's Keenan Allen or, I mean, I don't know if you guys take the plunge on Antonio Brown or not, but there's still like some true target hogs in round three where a lot of those running backs we talked about, whereas I think there's a huge drop-off, but these running backs, it's not a big drop-off from that last tier to this one. So I'm kind of with you, Jimmy. I find myself getting a lot more of these guys. I personally side Carson. You mentioned the increased receiving role. I think, you know, at least 50 targets with Mike Davis leaving. He had led the team with 42 last year. Uh, those are gone, plus the 100 or so carries that he had so that vacated volume in the run heaviest scheme of last year I, and I don't think he sucks I know you said he sucks CJ I don't think he's too bad he's a powerful runner he bowls through people pretty elusive too I think he was like number six in pro football focuses grades last year if you put any stock into that uh, uh, he's he's so hot on google images too his biceps are fucking gigantic oh my good god <laughs> yeah there's like shirtless combine pictures that like my hand yeah. and my brother always send me throughout the day it's just like what are you guys doing but it's it's yeah it's He's just a ridiculous, composed human being. Uh, there is some injury concern there, though. So I, I'm with you guys. Like, I want to see what David Montgomery does the rest. I do love the volume marking. We're probably the surest volume bet. It's a very intriguing tier, but I sign with uh, Carson on this one. So who do you guys think beyond these guys? So that's kind of like you're, you're through the mid-rounds, and now you're looking out for those breakouts in rounds 7 through 10. There's always a couple guys that end up just exploding and being RB1s. Who do you think that could be this year in that, that tier? Uh, we'll start with you, Jimbo. I am on the Tevin Coleman train right now, uh, especially after the news with McKinnon's knee kind of acting up, but they're going to shut him down for a little bit. So that only means more first-team reps for uh, Tevin here. And, you know, he's, he's now in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, his old guy, and Wolf has warped my brain into anytime I hear Kyle Shanahan, I think zone-blocking scheme. Yes. And apparently that's going to fit him very well. So he knows the system. Um, often should take a step up with Jimmy G back. So I like Tevin going in that late round. I think he could be a great flex running back if necessary. I'm fully with you. I love the Tevin Coleman play. I wonder if he's going to stay in that round 7 to 10 range with the news. Uh, And we'll see whatever ends up happening with McKinnon. If he gets the IR, my good God, I love Tevin Coleman to explode. What about you, Keegs? Um, This one's tough, but I think the change of scenery is going to be huge for Duke Johnson. Um, You know, he, he... Finally, he, he's always had the talent to be a guy that could produce fantasy wise. He's just never been the guy. So he's never really gotten that opportunity. And even to start the season, he's not really going to be the guy, I guess, because he got trash Lamar Miller in front of him. But I feel I mean, Lamar Miller has been on his way out of there for like two years at this point. And if he makes it through the season, either through injury or some kind of move, I'll be shocked. And uh, I think either way, Duke Johnson's going to right away start chipping away getting those touches he's obviously a great receiver out of the backfield and i I don't know about rb1 but if you're looking for like a strong rb2 flex in the low rounds i think he's a great choice 
I, the stat I loved about him that I recently read that was uh, 44% of his catches since he came into the league have gone for either first downs or touchdowns. And you can just picture, like, Deshaun Watts, he's always under pressure. That line still sucks. They've had no real running back to kind of help out. That Lamar Miller's just been a nobody since getting there. So I could see just this offense becoming more of a no-huddle shotgun, like Duke Johnson full-time back. And if that happens, I mean... You said no RB1 upside. It really could happen, potentially, if he does become that featured guy. And he was the workhorse at Miami, the all-time leading rusher there. And there's some huge names, obviously, that he ascended above. So I, I, I'm with you. I think both those guys so far are great picks. CJ, let's see who you have, see if I agree with you. So uh, the backfield just like made me puke all summer. But uh, I'm going to say Miles Sanders. I just think he's by far the clear talent there. And um, just on know if Saquon wasn't there at Penn State, he would have been had first round hype and everything he's like a legitimate three down back and they invested a second round pick in him so i feel like he's the back of the future and even though they do have clement third down jordan howard disgusting goal line guy and everything else i just feel like he's going to be the day one starter and just ride it throughout the season Oh, man, if he can separate and take that every down roll behind the best line in the league in that offense, it's going to be dangerous. We'll see. Uh, my pick is Daryl Henderson. I think he's got a less clear path to volume than any of the guys you have mentioned. But ultimately, 10 yards per carry on outside zone in college, that was his scheme at Memphis. That's No team runs more outside zone than the Rams, so they really identified him as that perfect fit. They've already labeled him like the Camara-style element to this offense. You mentioned Mr. Schefter said he's the most explosive player in the draft. So all those signs point to me. If Sean McVay loves you, he's going to use you. And I, I see a really big screen role. I see a lot of change of pace role. And then, of course, the upside, if anything ever happened to Todd Gurley. Didn't look great in his NFL debut, but that was, you know, whatever, behind a crap line in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game. So I'm not putting too much stock into that. Uh, I really like Daryl Henderson. I think he's going to blow up. And I love that his price is starting to go down after a bad preseason game. What about busts? So we've talked about breakouts, the guys we love in all the tiers and who we think going to do the best but the hardest part is sometimes figuring out who's going to bust but at running back there's always a, a good handful of them so which ones are you guys the lowest on busting we'll start with you Keegs uh there's a few guys that I think I could throw in here situation wise Le'Veon Bell makes me nervous just because the Jets are just a dumpster fire but I think he's too talented to be like a true bust um I guess I'd throw in your boy Chris Carson in here honestly with, with the the you know, the draft capital that it's costing to get him right now. And I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't think he's the guy. I think, I don't think Rashad Penny's anything special, but I think he's can be enough. And I think Pete Carroll can, has proven that he can make weird decisions and, and, you know, make those guys a true committee. So uh, out of any of those guys, I think I'd go with Carson. All righty. What do you think, Jimbo? I'm going to say Marlon Mack. Um, I had him last year, which was nice for most of the games, but he was the definition of game script heavy where mm-hmm. every time the Colts were winning or up big, they just rode the fuck out of him and he'd score 20 something points. But if they were getting smoked and like they were playing catch up, you'd never see the field. He'd get maybe like five. Um, it's just too inconsistent for a guy going like the third round. And especially with all the other weapons they have back there. And I, maybe I shouldn't say weapons, but like Naeem Hines won't go away. Andrew Luck's like mysterious leg injuries creeping around. I I want no part of Marlon Mack this year. There's some great stats too. I don't know if you guys have read that uh, Scott Barrett like 96 stats for all you know 
32 teams or whatever the hell it's called, but unbelievable article. And he had a great one on Marlon Mack and like to illustrate just how game script heavy it was. I think it was like 80% of his points came up when they were two touchdowns up or not or, or higher than that. And obviously if Andrew Luck's hurt, they're not going to be up by two touchdowns quite often. So I think it's a really good pick there, Jimbo. What do you think, CJ? Already know my answer is <laughs> Todd Gurley's gonna. I can't wait. This is exactly what's gonna happen. So Wolf's <laughs> gonna get Wolf's gonna get Todd Gurley in the second round. First six weeks, he's gonna be like RB one, RB two. He's gonna be texting me every Sunday, putting up twenty points. <laughs> and then his season just is absolutely the shitter. Week seven, when he's like, oh, why is Gurley only getting eight eight touches this week? Blah, blah. Then six, then five, then he's dead. And then he's dead. Uh, man, I, I can't wait. to. This is going to be an interesting one because we've gone back and forth on this a lot. So we'll see who proves who wrong. I, I picked Carrion Johnson, and I don't think he's going to bust, but I think a lot of people are ignoring the red flags here. C.J. Anderson, a better LeGarrette Blunt, who they just couldn't get rid of last year. If you can't get rid of LeGarrette Blunt, I think C.J. Anderson is going to have a bigger role. I mean, Matt Patricia's already raved about this guy endlessly, uh, which you wouldn't know because no one talks about C.J. Anderson because he's the definition of unsexy, but I Googled news him and it was like Patricia just gushing over this hard-nosed runner and all that so I think he's going to give you the, the easy guy at the stripe and then carry on to a very checkered injury history throughout his career so I think there's a lot of red flags for everyone that's ranking him at like 13 and 14 alongside the Damian Williams and the Aaron Joneses and the Derrick Henrys I think he's at least a tier if not another tier below all those guys so I'm pretty nervous about him I think the Marlon Mack pick's great you know my feelings on Carson Keegs I think that's a horrible pick uh, but I, I like the Lev Bell men Though I saw uh, in that same Barrett article, he wrote about how Adam Gase's offense has been like 27th, 31st, 31st, and 27th in pace, and that's something that Le'Veon Bell you can just see him getting bored or like disinterested in the shitty ass team if Donald doesn't take that next step. So I, I am more nervous about Le'Veon Bell than I have been in a while. Uh, he's a guy I'm probably going to avoid out of all those first round running backs. But the last question we've got here, so we call them the penny stocks, as you guys know, uh, the sleepers that are you get for a penny and could explode and blow up. So who's going after round 10 that you're just going to try to lock up on every single one of your team? And we'll start. I got to throw the question out there. We'll start with you, CJ. Go with my man, Ronald Jones. Um, his, his first preseason game had four oh. carries for 18 yards. Just skyrocketed his yards to carry up to 4.5. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a nice catch, a nice, <laughs> nice catch in the screen game. Got five yards there. And, um, yeah, him and Barber just look pretty good together. So um, I think he's going to end up beating Barber out at some point this year and just going to have him on all my teams. What do you think, Keegs? Who's your late-round penny stock you got to get? You can give one or two if you guys want. Yeah, here lies CJ. He died on the Ronald Jones Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed death, too. Yeah, there's no there's no coming back from that one. <laughs> um, well, you guys, I mean, you guys poked fun at my closet Steelers fandom earlier because, you know, I had the Juju post the other day and then I, I had something that came up today about Jalen Samuels. I think Jalen Samuels has great penny stock potential, but it's limited because of how much of a stud James Conner is and how much they clearly value him in that offense. Uh, Samuels is more, he's so versatile that he can get those touches and, and get that production, even if he's not the main guy. But also you mentioned him previously i think people are sleeping on cj anderson a lot and i mean obviously you know talked about carry on and you know he, he could have his own issues uh um and at the i mean cj anderson came in last year and completely stole the show from todd Gurley, and i know that's kind of a 
and you know a different situation. Mm-hmm. But he clearly has the talent to at least be an NFL running back. He's been doing it for a while. And if Carrion's not performing and they give Anderson his opportunities, he could just start bowling over people again. It blows my mind that literally nobody talks about this guy. I think that's a really interesting name to toss out there that I haven't heard anybody else mention. What about you, Jimbo? Who's your penny stock sleepers? One guy I kind of like, Devin Singletary out of Buffalo. Um, maybe a nice injection of youth to pair with Josh Allen would be nice. I mean, the offense needs to take off a little bit for him to be pretty relevant. But LaShawn McCoy is just awful now. He's got no elusiveness. Um, he might be something, but... A nice callback to earlier in the episode when you mentioned Darwin Thompson. Uh, I watched him take like a little, not a screen pass, but like a nice 10 yarder and like across the middle of the field and maybe run a thousand miles an hour, about 40 yards into the end zone. And all I could think of was this looks like Alvin Kamara. Um, Especially you put him in a Chiefs offense with Mahomes and all the attention to like Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey and all those guys. uh, His. Just raw athleticism and speed could be a real weapon. So he's someone I'll take in like the very last round or second to last round. I love that one. I mean, and Mahomes himself citing the explosiveness, saying this guy could be special. And when you get him in open space, exactly what you said. So, I mean, coming from Jimbo's mouth is great too. But coming from Mahomes, the god himself, saying we want more reps for this guy. And then he gets more reps. Like Mahomes, what Mahomes wants, he's going to get. So I'm with you. And I, when they first drafted him, I didn't know shit about him. I'll, I'll admit that. I looked and was like a 5'9", like 180-pound guy. He's a nobody. He's a little tiny scat back. He's going to do nothing. But then CJ, whatever your obsession is with shirtless running backs, you sent me a picture of him I was like holy fucking shit this guy is humongous like he's jacked he's a little compact ball and and then I read more about him and the, the you know the running back coach said that you know he looks small on paper but he's just this ball of muscle and he hits people in pass protection he's tough up the middle we saw him you know break tackles of these huge linebackers in the preseason game uh, so any weapon of the Chiefs is always a valuable penny stock and if they do go to this committee and this guy somehow emerges I mean number 25 it looked like Jamal Charles out there uh, gave me some Jacha memories from, from, <laughs> from back in the day. So I really like that one. Um, and right now, though, if I'm drafting, I got to go after these holdout guys. You know, maybe it's Tony Pollard for the Cowboys. Maybe it's Justin Jackson late who just bullied defenders on that touchdown run. So I really like both of those guys if I'm drafting today uh, to pot- potentially be this year's James Conner. Uh, so overall, those are my penny stocks. Overall, that's our running back roundtable. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Gentlemen, uh, Keegs had to get out of here apparently, so you just left without saying bye. See you, Keegs. But Jimmy, CJ, and Keegs, if you ever hear this, what? thank you guys. You see it? I'm here. Yeah, oh, you're here? Right here. here. Oh, it's, I, I have a little... Like, he literally hasn't moved. I have a dog. I, ran, says, I was like, SK. I ran away for five seconds at the beginning and stopped shitting on me for it. <laughs> You just had to escape the wolf's wrath, apparently. But I would say uh, who we, uh, we got to start awarding points while this happens. That, that'd be like I was just picturing around the take the entire time we were going with this. But uh, I thought it was great insight, gentlemen. Around the horn. What's that? Around the horn. Oh, around the horn. Around, the, around the take. Shitty, around the take. <laughs> That's our new one. We'll call it around the take. All right. Clearly, I've been doing this shit for too long. I'm in like hour four of recording right now. So fucking kill me. But gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, coming in. I thought that was a fantastic roundtable. And we'll do this next week with wide receivers. So, so be ready for some more.
And listeners, thank you for tuning in. As always, uh, this is the Wolfpack, rotostreetjournal.com. We breed and feed fantasy wolves, and this is the Fantasy Fullback Dive, paving your path to 2019 titles. If you haven't subscribed and liked and reviewed, please make sure you do that. Uh, And find us on all those socials, Roto Street Journal, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff, doing some great things this summer. Uh, And we're getting down to draft wire. Get a draft wizard in, everything you need. We're going to make sure you're ready. All right, guys. See you later. Peace. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd and take our final bow. Oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show. 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 Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh. That's pretty awesome. That's old-fashioned football right there, folks.